welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. Samuel chapter 18. Look what it says in verse 5. 1 Samuel 18, 5. David went out whithersoever Saul sent him. Mark these words, and he behaved himself wisely. Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Skip down to verse 14. And David, look what it says again, behaved himself wisely in all his ways. Now, this is how we know that David was not a Baptist. The Lord was with him. Verse 30. Then the princes of the Philistines went forth, and it came to pass, after they went forth, that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name was much set by. I'm going to ask Brother Steve Hoffmeister to lead us in prayer tonight as we come. You may be seated. You know, when you study the life of David, you can't help but study the life of Saul. Their lives were so intertwined. And uh, you see uh, one who was uh, imperfect but had a heart for God, and the other whose heart strayed, uh, became a hardened, rebellious, proud, and uh, later rejected by God. But uh, in the life of Saul, you'll notice a lot of craziness. Folks, Christianity should not include craziness on any level. Uh, Solomon wrote, discretion shall preserve thee. Uh, and it's a good thought to think about as a Christian. Amen? Uh, if there's anything that ought to be said about Christians, independent Baptist Christians, is that they behave themselves wisely. You say, well, what, what is wisely? What is Christian behavior? Uh, Ask a lost man, he'll tell you how a Christian ought to behave, amen? Uh, what he should do, what he should not do. Uh, but amazingly, David, in the midst of all these crazy circumstances, one thing could be said about him, that he, he was constantly behaving himself wisely. Uh, as Christians, uh, I, I think in the Word of God, God's given us Bible, and God's given us Bible principles, and all of this instruction is for the same purpose. It's not just to glorify God. It's not just to win the lost. But part of that is Bible instruction is meant to help you, uh, whether it be in the job or in a church setting or uh, uh, in your home, to behave yourself wisely. Now, I think if we're honest with ourselves tonight, we'd all have to say, uh, not just on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or on a regular basis, probably on a daily basis, we do something, think something, say something, react in some way, shape, fashion, or form that we'd have to consider unwise. How many of you have ever done something and you left and said, wow, that was foolish. I can't believe I said that or did that. And a lot of times it's, pressure situations that brings out the absolute worst in us and something that we had no intention of doing or saying, uh, it slips out. It happens. Uh, I want you to notice a few things here about the life of David, how he responded and how he reacted in a wise manner. Look what it says in verse 21 of chapter 16. Go back a couple chapters. Uh, 
David was chosen as a shepherd boy, uh, anointed as king once Saul was rejected. Look what it says uh, in verse 21. And David came to Saul, stood before him. Uh, Saul was going mad, literally insane, uh, and acting in an insane manner. Uh, but he needs someone to help him out. I would say it wasn't his decision or wise choice, but those around him were trying to deal with him, put up with this crazy behavior. They were looking for solutions, and they noticed the music helped him, and they said, you know what, let's try to find a musician that might be able to help him out and calm his spirit. And someone mentioned David, and they brought him in, and look what it says. David came to Saul, stood before him, and he loved Saul loved him greatly. David loved him uh, Saul greatly, and he became his armor-bearer, and Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well in an evil spirit. Uh, the evil spirit departed from him. David was very wise. If you take a look at the life of David, he's very wise uh, when he was given responsibility. And it didn't start here. It started way back as a shepherd boy. Uh, and throughout his life, every time God gave him and increased his responsibilities, we see David increased in his wisdom and in, in his handling of those responsibilities. You know what responsibilities does to us? It reveals our wisdom or lack of wisdom. You know, it's amazing how we look at God and we act with God and almost demand from God increased responsibilities. And I'm sure sometimes God hesitates because he says, I need to see you with your present responsibilities acting in a wise manner. David was always exactly where he was supposed to be. No matter how small, no matter how bored he was with the project, no matter how insignificant it was, amazing to me how few people actually can get a responsibility on any level and be there when they're supposed to be there, day after day, week after week. In the mundane tasks of life, people jump ship. Amazing how often a pastor or a leader or a ministry leader has to uh, has five minutes' notice to find a replacement because someone has not behaved themselves wisely with the responsibility that God gave them. Amazing how distracted we are as parents, and God has given us the responsibility of rearing our children, and because of all uh, of, of the other things in life that demand our attention. We behave ourselves unwisely and start to reap the consequence of handling our responsibility unwisely. You know what he did in this responsibility? He brought a good spirit. That's behaving yourself wisely with the responsibility. You, you know what I find uh, people ask, well, preacher, uh, when do you think I can handle that? When, when are you going to give me a different position. When, uh, you know, I'd like to do so much more. I, I, I wish you'd give me the green light. It's not just capability that I'm looking for. Uh, it's not ability or talent. It, it's, it's not even always availability. I, I thank God that you're available. But if you do not bring the right spirit to the table and the right spirit to that ministry, if you look at the last verse, it said he refused 
refreshed those around him. That's behaving yourself wisely with responsibility. And there are some people, as soon as you give them responsibility, you notice they take the entire spirit of those around them. Everything's a burden, a hardship. It's a problem. Have you ever been around someone in five minutes? You found a way to get depressed. You left and you said, wow, life is bad. Wow. You know, folks, I haven't figured this out. We, you know, we, we wear nicer clothes than we've ever worn before. Softer material. Sit in more comfortable pews. Controlled climate. Great lighting. Cars are nicer than they've ever... Did you realize for the first uh, 5,900 years of life on this planet, no one even rode in a car? People would walk to church or ride a horse to church. And then those that rode cars for the first 50 years, it was just a step above walking. And now you sit on your leather seats. Uh, it, yesterday, or a couple of days ago, I drove my wife's van, and I, boy, this thing is hot. Good. Beads of sweat rolling down my back. Does this thing have any... A, a, a seat heater? She said, hey, it's over there by the door. I'm like, good night. My chair was 105 degrees. I mean, it's not only leather, it's heated. An electric, you don't, you don't even have to make an effort now to, how many of you ever almost crashed your car 10 or 15 years ago? You're know, look, looking around for things, trying to roll down your window, get some air in the vehicle. I mean, my first car, the, the, it didn't have an AC that worked, and the, the, the driver's side window did not roll down. Uh, the door didn't open. At some point, something happened. It wouldn't even open up. And, and the worst part was I could roll down the other three windows, but you had to climb in, open all three doors, roll down all three windows, slide over. You know how embarrassing that is? Not fun. And you hear people say all the time, well, life was so much better 40 years ago. Yeah, calculate that. You were a flower child 40 years ago. It was the Vietnam War. America was a mess. Kennedy was the president. We've got to fast forward in this mess and go somewhere else. We're always convinced that someone else, somewhere else, has life so much better. And you bring that spirit to your area of responsibility. That's called not behaving yourself wisely. Because you will have an excuse for a poor spirit. If anybody had an excuse to have a poor spirit, it was David. David should have been refreshing people. I mean, he should have been walking around angry, frustrated, bitter, upset, complaining, griping. Thirteen years he lived the chaos uh, and ran for his life, lived in caves, was hunted like a madman, and he still found a way to read about his life the entire time. He's refreshing people. You know why? He's behaving himself wisely with the responsibility that God's given him. Amen. Number two, I want you to see that he behaved himself wisely when suffering mistreatment. Turn back to 18, 1 Samuel 18, verse 9. And saw I, David, from that day and forward. Now, why was Saul eyeing David? Well, the, the, the problem was this. We mentioned this last week. As soon as he began resisting the Holy Spirit, produced an unholy, evil spirit. 
And once you've got, listen, you've seen it in your children, you've seen it in your own life. When you, when you get a rebellious heart, that comes with an evil spirit. It, it's, those are twin sins. They come together. And here Saul, the rebel, with an evil spirit, he's throwing spears, he's trying to kill David, he's doing things that are absolutely crazy. And David, look what it says in verse 11, it came to pass, or verse 10, it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. He prophesied in the midst of the house. David played with his hand as at other times. There was a javelin in Saul's hand. Now here's what happens. When you have an evil spirit, you are capable of all kinds of craziness. All kinds of indiscretion. You say, well, you know, it's not going to happen to me. Be careful, because when you sin, you sin repeatedly and willfully. You are resisting the Holy Spirit. You know what it produces? An unholy or evil spirit. You say, why is it saying evil spirit from God? That's exactly what it means. You resist God. You resist the Holy Spirit of God. And you will see in your life a spirit that you can't explain. And you will say things and do things. And your kids will say, Daddy's possessed. Your spate, your spate, that's the combination of spouse and mate. Your spate. <laughs> this is my pulpit. I can make up my own words. Your spouse will look at you and say, uh, My mate is demon possessed. You better be careful. When you're not walking in the Holy Spirit, you're walking in an unholy spirit, and you will do things that are inexplicable for a Christian. And look what he does. And Saul cast the javelin. At who? A friend. And he said, I will smite David, even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Now you know what David did? When he's mistreated, Here, here's when the average Christian, the average Christian can behave themselves wisely until they're mistreated. Here's a test of your Christianity. You know, we honestly think that the fruit of the Spirit was made for the good times. We do. You know, we're living the, we're living the Christian life in the flesh. So when things are good, we can produce on our own some semblance of joy and peace and long-suffering. We can control our behavior and our words and our reactions because times are good and people are nice and everything's going well so we can give the appearance that we're Holy Spirit filled. No, the Holy Spirit filled uh, uh, life is for the crisis and the Holy Spirit doesn't say uh, I'll only help you when life is good. I'll only produce joy and peace as long as you're not sick, as long as you're not hurting, as long as you're not facing any mistreatment. The Holy Spirit said, no, I can help you through good times and bad times. I can produce joy in the valley, peace in the storm, long-suffering when your mate doesn't deserve it and you're being mistreated. Amen. And here's what happened. He picks up a javelin. Now let me ask you this. Who are the two greatest warriors in Israel? David and Saul. When these, threw, when these two threw spears or javelins, did they miss? No. Now let me ask you about Saul the javelin who knew how to kill a man in battle who was facing him prepared 
for battle. What about if he threw a javelin at someone who was sitting down, back turned, playing the harp? Did he miss? But he did in this case. The amazing thing wasn't that he missed. The amazing thing is that he missed how many times? Actually, if you read the next chapter, you find out it was thrice. Now, let me ask you this. If someone occasionally went insane, screamed, cussed, cursed, yelled, threatened, carried around a spear and said, I hate you, I'm going to kill you, would you be back? If someone threw a spear at you when you had your back turned, you're playing a harp, and you miss once, and you watch that thing hit the wall and rattle, and you say, that was close. How many of you say, hey, I'll take seconds. You know what behaving yourself wisely is in the midst of crisis? Christians, I've realized this, most Christians aren't wise. They've never learned to duck. They're walking wounded. They're always hurt. And here's the amazing thing is, most people aren't even throwing spears. Most people don't even have evil intentions. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Read the name. Solomon. She didn't throw that. She's a soldier in God's army. She carries a spear, and you walked into it because you're a knucklehead. You're wanting to be wounded. I mean, I think the average Christian wants to be wounded. I think the average Christian wants to be hurt. If you're wise, listen, if you're wise, you're going to understand you're in a battle every single day, and one of the one of the best things you can do, one of the best attributes you can have is your ability to duck. So stop being hurt. Duck a spear once in a while. I don't know about you, but one time in my life, I went into a room and they took out some sort of sharp object and they cut me eight inches long. And I said... So help me God, that'll never happen again. And eight hours later, when they'd sewed me up, put me back together and told me to stand up, I stood up and passed out. Folks, I have no intention of being wounded again. Too painful. But so, there's some people, there's Christians that are addicted to being wounded. I mean, she hurt me and he hurt me. And she did too. Let me guess, and uh, your boss hurt you, and your husband hurt you, and your child, your children have hurt you, and the pastor, it, I mean, the pastor hurt you. I mean, you, it comes to a point, you're walking around so many spirits that you look like a Christian porcupine. And you still got the name and the date of every single spear and a story behind each one. And you can remember every detail. That's the benefit of bitterness. You can remember the shirt they were wearing when they threw it. Yeah, and the time of day, and the place that we're at, and the exact words from the conversation, at some point, you don't like it when the pastor, you, you come and say, Pastor, what do I do? And he says, duck. That's behaving yourself wisely. You know, you know we don't have Christian anymore. We don't have a whole lot of wisdom, and Christians are walking wounded. They're wounded. You have a Christian school, and people are wounded. You have a club ministry and someone gets wounded. You make a trip and someone's hurt. And I didn't get included. I didn't get invited to the birthday party. And I thought things weren't supposed to be exclusive. And there's four girls and my daughter didn't get to go. 
and you walk around like it's a 40-inch javelin. That was a paper airplane that hit you. How did that break skin? Have you ever heard of a paper cut? You say, preacher, you're making that. I'm not making that. We got pastors in here tonight. I'm not making things up. People can be wounded. Listen, I deal with people, wounded people every day of every week of every year. And at some point, we got to get thick enough skin that when we get hit by paper airplanes, it doesn't even hurt us. And a butter knife doesn't even make us bleed. Because the average person never truly had a javelin thrown at him. David, when, when he faced mistreatment, behaved himself wisely because he ducked, he was quick to forgive. Here's what's amazing. Have you read the story? Have you read 1 Samuel? I mean, every time I read it, I mean, those of you that think about Scripture... Uh, okay, think about David's love for Saul. It's, it's, to me, I can't really comprehend it because if I went to battle and it, you know everyone's quivering because here's a giant and you walk up to the king and the king's just sitting back, pacing the floor, and uh, you say, um, you going to take this guy out? No, no, he's big. Okay, I'll do it. Oh, good, good, good. I've been waiting a long time for a midget to come in here and just say, hey, I'll take him out. It's great. i got some armor. <laughs> now, at that point, wouldn't you lose respect? I mean, just the offer of the armor to me is a little harebrained. The, the, the difference in height and weight is so extreme. It'd be like me telling Tyrese, you didn't bring a suit coat tonight, just wear mine. Then he goes to the palace. He, spears are thrown at him. And then after he dodges, after he voids the spear, after he ducks, he's so quick to forgive that when, that when the king says, I've got a daughter you can have, I've got a daughter that I want you to marry, if I were David, I'd say, no thanks. And David says, I'm not even worthy of... He was using it as a ploy to get David killed. And David said, I'm not even worthy of this woman. And he said, go kill a hundred Philistines. And I can be your son-in-law? Now think about, if you read anything about David and Michael, you understand he never liked Michael. Never. Read the scripture. Down the road when they were asking for sacrifices, human sacrifices, he said, take her children. <laughs> Folks, I'm not making this up. I've just read 1 Samuel. Okay, he never liked this gal. But he said, I love and appreciate Saul. The same guy that just threw spears at you. Are you with me? You know why? He's behaving himself so wisely. He's saying, I don't care what people do, and I don't care how people treat me. I can still love them. I can still forgive them. I can get past this. He made a mistake. He tripped. He was carrying a spear, and wham! He didn't hit me. Amen. You know, folks... At some point in your Christian life, you're going to have to understand the most basic fabric of Christianity is forgiveness. And God forgave you. And if you don't get in the habit of forgiving, I mean, if just make it a quick, make, make life painless where you just say, I forgive you. So as soon as it happens, you just say, I forgive you. Just spit it out before you can stop it. Just sometimes when you're bored stiff and you don't have anything to do, just pray, I forgive you. Yeah. Not a problem. I forgive you. 
forgiven. You're forgiven. It's okay. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Forgiven. Just practice it. You know why? Because you're going to need a lot in life. And behaving yourself unwisely is allowing yourself to get beat up, start to harbor that bitterness, because you know who bitterness destroys? You. You know who bitterness makes miserable? You. You know who bitterness makes unpleasant? You. So you become this frustrated person that can't stand to be around anyone, no one can stand to be around you. You're loaded with spears. You're full of gangrene. I'm not so sure... That's wise behavior. Amen. Number three. Turn to chapter 19. This is, this is one of my favorite stories. Here's what's amazing. People who read their Bibles, if you ask them about the story, about 95% of them don't even know this story. This is, this is top five Bible stories. This is one of my top five. Look, look what it says. First Samuel 19, verse 18. So David fled. Now you can understand things were getting bad. Saul had already tried to kill him several times. Then Saul goes to hunt him down. He goes to the house, David's house, and he tells his daughter, uh, 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 listen, uh, I'm, I'm going to take out your husband. And, and she cares for him a little bit, teeny tiny bit, somewhere deep down in her heart, and she helps him escape. She lets him down the window, and he, look what happens here, verse 17, uh, verse 18. So David fled and escaped, and came to Samuel, to Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. Now, Samuel this time uh, has a school of prophets. Uh, this, this is where they're staying in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Saul sent messengers to take David. So look what Saul does. Saul's determined. He's like, Okay, escape from me. How many remember how uh, Michael helped David escape? She, she put those things in the bed, make it look like he was there sleeping. I wonder if Saul, because Saul that time, he wanted personally to take David's life. I'll bet he split that bed in two. But he walked up. Can you imagine his disappointment when a watermelon splattered? <laughs> this man was insane. So Saul sends messengers this time to take David. And when they saw the company, now you say, well, Saul, didn't, Saul was still determined to kill him personally. He didn't send him to kill David. He sent him to take David. But you've got to understand, he was trying to be a little bit discreet here because he was sending his soldiers to the house of God, to the school of the prophets. Can you imagine this? The king, who's supposed to be a Christian, sends soldiers into the church, into the house of revival, into the house of God, where young men are being trained, the school of the prophets, he says, I want you to go there. They're having services. What if they have services all day? I don't care what type of day it is. You go, what if he's in the middle of the service? Go in, pick him up, and drag him out. I want him dead. We're supposed to interrupt the service? I don't care about the service. Did you understand that? Go yank him out. Now look what happens. Saul sent messengers to take David, and when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers, and Saul of Saul, and they also prophesied. Did you get that? So they go in the service, they have their swords and their spears, and they're ready to take David out, 
they hear the music, they hear the singing, they see, you know, they're throwing hymn books in the air and shouting hallelujah. And one of the soldiers takes off his helmet, throws down his shield, and he takes a lap around the building. And those prophets are looking around, and here comes one of the big boys, and he says, Lord of God! Folks, I am not inventing this. This is Scripture. I mean, he's getting on. I mean, they came in to interrupt the service, and it's happening. Look what it says. So the, one of them gets out of the service, he runs back, and, and Saul says, what happened? He said, man, we, we interrupt the service. And they say, no, man, your boys are shouting hallelujah, and they turn rel- religious. I don't know what happened, Saul. I mean, one of them grabbed a flag and started running around the auditorium. I don't know what to do. He, Saul said, oh, it's not a problem. He sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. He saw sent messengers again a third time. They prophesied also. He sends three groups. That auditorium is packed out, and half of them are Saul soldiers. They're throwing hymn books. I mean, it's going on. Can you imagine this? This is camp meeting times five. This is Shady Acres plus 12. Then watch. It gets better. Then went he. He's mad now. It's like, I've had it. Don't tell me. Preacher, it's, I mean, you want to talk about a meeting. That's a meeting. There's been some fireball. I don't care about fireball preaching. I told you to bring me David. No, you wait till you get down there. You will see what it's. I will tell you something. I'm not interested in that stuff anymore. Okay, I'm not sitting through a song service. I'm not listening to another preacher. So he goes down mad, determined to break this thing apart and shut it down. Look what it says, verse 22. Then went he also to Ramah, came to a great well that is in, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, Siku? And he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And one said, behold, they be at Naoth and Ramah. And he went thither to Naoth and Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. He went on. And he prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. He stripped off his clothes also, and he prophesied before Samuel like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore they said, Is Saul among the prophets? I mean, Saul goes marching in that building. He had his sword drawn. Is David in here? I can imagine the guy standing at the front door. He kicks him out. Get out of my way. He walks in there with his next thing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's taking off his. Throws his shield down and takes his armor. Hallelujah! Jesus saves! Hallelujah! Glory to Man, there are people looking around like, good night. Folks, you know the problem. You say, preach your imagination, God. Well, no, the problem is you read your Bible and you never actually read it. I mean, it was happening. He grabbed the Bible started preaching. They said... Was Saul called to preach? Because he is calling down fire. He's blowing steam. Something is happening. That's powerful. And they closed the service. And here was Saul. (laughs) 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 Oh, that was good. Read it, folks. And right there in the King James Bible, all night he stayed in the church house. Everyone else, can you imagine his soldiers? Wow. We knew he was crazy, but not that crazy. Are you with me? David behaved himself wisely in the time of personal crisis. Listen, he was in crisis. Saul was hunting for him. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to run to the man of God. Get some advice from the right person. 
run to the house of God. You know what people do in the time of crisis? They run away from the house of God. And they always seek counsel from someone beside the man of God. Not real wise. You know what the average Christian does? He finds someone who sounds very spiritual. And boy, there's about five billion on the planet. And you know several thousand of them. And you sit and listen to one of them. And you are so convinced that person is so wise. Incredible. Pastor. What do you do, Pastor? Help yourself. David behaved himself wisely in the midst of this crisis. The first thing he did, he said, where's Samuel? I'm going to see Samuel. This saved his life. Folks, that was something supernatural that happened. You know where he got protected and got help in the house of God with the man of God? Now, what's the key to behaving yourself wisely? We could, we could study the life of David all night, but then we'd run out of time to get our hot chocolate. David behaved himself wisely. And we gave you a key the other day that was found in chapter 16. Go back there and read it, and then I want to come back to chapter 18. 16, 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. From that day forward, this was not anything you see happening in the Old Testament. This is a rare case. The Holy Spirit begins to dominate the life of David, and David begins to submit himself to the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit, submission of the Holy Spirit will do to you? He'll take the craziness right out. What happens when you're resisting the Holy Spirit? How do you act? How do you act when you're submitted to the Holy Spirit? You know what I like about the Holy Spirit? All that undiscerning, crazy, chaotic behavior disappears. You say, how do you know? Go, go back, go back. Now, this is a principle that's found through the whole Bible, especially in the New Testament, but it's even found in the Old Testament, and we miss it. Look what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, 19. Remember the soldiers? They go to the school of the prophets. They interrupt the service. Now, what was their frame of mind? What was their intention? And what kind of behavior were they participating in? Saul's crazy, chaotic behavior. What changed that crazy, chaotic behavior to spiritual behavior? Look what it says in verse 20. Saul sent the messengers to take David. When they saw the company and the prophets prophesying, Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers, and they prophesied. Verse 23, he went thither, Saul... And the Spirit of God was upon him also, and he came with evil intentions. He came to hurt, to maim, to destroy, to do something that was against God's perfect will. He came to act in a crazy manner, and the Holy Spirit took that out of him. And here's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. He wants you to behave in a wise manner in crisis in mistreatment, in bad situations, at work, at home, in your marriage, outside your marriage. God wants you to be discerning. God wants you to be wise. Did you know human nature is contrary to all of that? Human nature is foolish. Human nature is crazy. That's why you see the contrast of Saul, one constantly acting unwisely, one constantly acting 
wisely. And the only times you see Saul acting wisely was when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And I don't even know if it's willful submission. But in your case, it has to be willful. And let me ask you this. If you are not submitted to the Holy Spirit every day, you're going to do things that are indiscreet and unwise. Hurtful to your marriage and hurtful to your children. Hurtful to yourself. The best thing you do is wake up every day and say, Holy Spirit, I want to be wise today. I want to think in a wise manner. I want to talk in a wise manner. I want to act and react in a wise way. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to look foolish. I want to act foolish. I don't want to talk foolish. That's why I want to stay submitted to the Holy Spirit because without that, you'll look back on your day and say, that wasn't so wise. And you will easily pinpoint the moment and say, I definitely wasn't submitted to the I submitted to my flesh. I submitted to the pressure of the moment. I submitted to that mistreatment. I reacted in anger and frustration. And the result was a very unseemly, ugly act that I now regret. Father, that helps tonight understand a very basic principle of the need to be fully, totally, daily submitted to your Holy Spirit. Father, as Christians, we want to be wise. Our actions and thoughts, our lives, those around us should be able to look at us and say, that was wise. Father, keep us, protect us from doing things that are unseemly, hurtful, the Holy Spirit spoke to you tonight. Be good to obey Him. Come down here to this altar. Talk to Him say, Holy Spirit, I, I want to stay submitted in the morning, in the afternoon, in crisis. I want to stay submitted every day. I want to obey you. I don't want to do anything that God would consider unseemly. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.